Hey guys, what's up? Irish Emerald here. Welcome back to another episode of the Core Chat Podcast, where once again I'm joined by OP Jellicent. What's going on, everyone? I'm the OP Jellicent, and uh, today for a change, I actually have a lot to say about one topic, but Iris, do you want to talk about Smogon first? We, yeah, we'll just give a... We, we'll actually, for once, you actually have something to say. It's not me ranting, which is brilliant. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the listeners would actually love to hear you go off one for a change rather than me. I think that'd be very fresh. But uh, we'll start with what we're going to be going through today, guys. Um... Unfortunately, at the moment, we got no small gun news to actually talk about. We got no tier changes, uh, no update on any tournaments, um, nothing, absolutely nothing. Yeah, um, this, this has been the first month in a while where there's just been no tier changes at all. Yeah. There's always tier shifts. But yeah. Nah. So we got no changes to the meta to discuss. So you know, no small gun news equal means no chat by us, anyways. So we because we got nothing to uh, opinionate to really say. So we're going to bypass the small gun news today, but we do have a new segment. Which we're going to get into. I'm calling a hashtag, hashtag hot take. That's the way I'm calling it. So if you don't like I the like hashtag, it. yeah, thank you. If you if you don't like the hashtags, you just got to swallow the pill. And uh, today Jay's going to have a hot uh, a hot take for us, and we're also going to dive into um, a little bit of draft leagues, and we also got a Twitter question from one of you guys that we're going to chat about briefly at the end of the show. So yeah, it should shouldn't be as media of a podcast as last week. We reached like an hour and a half, but we mm. should still have a good amount to talk about. Yeah, here, so. we should have a, we should have a good hour in us because you know we have you know UBA, we have some playoff discussion and all that kind of good stuff in the traffic, which is yeah. always good to say. Uh, before we dive in um, to the hot take, I just want to say we did mention last episode that we would like to have a segment where we talk about new up and coming leagues. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm going to admit I haven't done any research on that yet. Um, so I did say last last episode, if you guys have any suggestions as to who, even if it's an individual player, an individual league, or any league in particular that you think is up and coming or that's interesting or that's really exciting, let us know. Because A, it makes my job and Jelly's job a whole lot easier trying to find something. <laughs> and, exactly, yeah. And, and B, if you mention it, then there's a really good chance you're going to get mentioned as well and talked about. So if you if you want that, then or if you just want to be a, a you know, cool person and help us out, do that. <laughs> Well, I think with all that being said, that's all the uh, household stuff out of the way. We will dive right into our new segment of the show, uh, hashtag Hot Take. I'm going to take uh, hand yeah, over. Like to a... Yeah, I'm going to hand over to you, buddy. You uh, you can take it away. I got my cup of tea this time. I'm going to enjoy this. This is going to be brilliant. <laughs> I have a lot to say about this. So essentially, the first hot take is going to be about the comparison between draft league and standard play because I'll hear draft league players a lot completely disregard the competitive aspects of standard play. They'll say stuff like. Draft League takes more skill than standard tiers ever could. I'd like to start by saying a lot of these players have no idea about the OU meta beyond the fact that like Landorus T and Nagirna are the best Pokemon. The players who actually do ladder aren't that great who play Draft. Besides Gypsy King and Rob Jr. who play in pretty much every Smogon tournament there is, every Draft League player I've seen ladder cannot even attain like anything above an 85% GXE, which for those of you who aren't aware, that's basically your chance of winning against the average ladder player. So essentially, it doesn't take too much sense to talk crap about. A, it doesn't make too much sense, sorry, to talk crap about a form of play that you really have no extensive knowledge about. Now, even if these players don't know too much about OU, they'll argue that they can still assert that draft is more skill-based just due to, I guess, the components that go into it, such as team-building aspects like speed tiers and identifying play styles. But these aspects are pretty prevalent in standard play as well. If you really think about it, if one really starts to understand OU, the OU meta, you'll realize that. You can sort of treat the different playstyles of the meta like different drafts in a sort of way. Your team of six needs to be able to deal with every single playstyle that the opponent can bring, since there isn't really like an 11 Pokemon roster that you know is coming and you can just counter 
individual threats, right? You really have to think about the bigger picture. And I see a lot of draft league players argue too that you, this takes more skill just because you have to prepare a new team for every single game. Uh, whereas for smoke on play, you can just go to like Mr. Jambad's comment section and just grab a team and be good to go. But I really don't see how that's any different from just a draft league player having a super stacked front office and having them build broken sets every week and just winning every game. It's really not that big of a difference right there. Both front offices and OU team builders cannot make any battler better, but essentially it makes them more consistent by improving the quality of the teams one is using. So the main point I'm trying to get at right here is the people who are talking down towards a form of play, such as OU, it's so... the, the Two playstyles are pretty much so similar that it makes no sense to talk down upon one without considering the similar aspects of it towards the others, right? It's sort of like they're just kind of throwing out points and not really backing them up. It's almost similar to like the horrible casters we discussed last week. So that's sort of my take on it. I really don't think that the arguments make too much sense. There's so much similarities that the arguments just don't really pan out, I guess. But do you have anything to add on to this, Irish? Um... I think what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play devil's advocate, uh, right? Because okay. uh, kind, I kind of believe that, you know, if you're good at one, it's very easy to translate the skill over to the other. That's the way I believe. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're a good Pokemon battler, it'll shine in both formats because, again, they're very similar. But I'm going to play devil's advocate for this one and kind of try and pick holes in your argument to see if we could, uh, just to kind of flush it out a little bit. So, would you say that a draft league player then would not necessarily have the same team, would be a better or worse t- uh, team builder than a Smogon player? Well, I would say that if you can really understand the components of draft league team building, you are going to be a solid Smogon team builder as well, just because understanding how to EV Mons is vital. Obviously, speed creeps, that's like the basic stuff, but knowing how to distribute your EVs to specifically live certain moves, whether you factor in, ha- factor in hazards or not, is very important. For example, in a lot of best the best teams in OU, people will have specifically designed EV spreads just to go ahead and live one specific move from one specific mon. So that's one big similarity I find between Smogon and Draft. You can really just view specific threats, but I really think the big thing, the big difference between the two team building aspects is in Draft League team building, you just consider one playstyle based on how the opponent's draft appears. In Smogon team building, you have to consider every single playstyle in the meta. So that's why I think Smogon team building, in a way, be a lot more extensive and a lot more complicated but then a draft league player right would argue that if a team comp can only run one style then it is a poor team composition right so therefore a good draft league player would draft a team that could play several different ways and they would draft pokemon that are versatile in several different roles so wouldn't that argument say that a draft a small gun player can team build for various different uh, has to prep for various different play styles being known and void considering the fact that a good draft league player would draft a team that can play several different uh, ways well I in regards to that I would say when you look at the two different aspects when you're looking at different play styles in one draft of a draft league team there's probably three or four Pokemon that fit that play style and you can specifically prepare for each threat like if they have a bulky core of Tangrowth Alamomola, for example, and then maybe like a Regenerator Core on top of that with the Reuniclus. You can specifically prep for that Regenerator Core, whether it's bringing Trace Muns, whether it's bringing Pokemon that can take advantage of hazards when they're trying to switch around of Regenerator so much. And then you can just prep for the offense from there. When you're thinking about the latter meta, you have to consider so many different 
like cores of these playstyles. For example, Celesteela Tango with Toxapex, that's one great balanced playstyle, but then you have other great options like Clefable, Gliscor, Ferrothorn, Lander's T, like bulky variants. There's just so many different aspects that go into the different playstyles of the latter meta that I really don't think it's fair to compare that. So, but I, all right, okay, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Excuse yeah, me. yeah. Um, but you I want draft... to satisfied with it? No, no, I want to pick no, I want to try and pick holes in this so uh, by the end of it we can come to the conclusion that there's there, like there's no comparison between the two. Um, yeah. All right, so I, that's the reason why I'm just trying to play Devil's Advocate as much. But mm -hmm. a draft league player, right, or a primarily draft league player would argue then that it's very easy for somebody to build on Smogon because they can just do 252, 252 for four or five of their mons because... Um, because it's the simplest thing to do when they say, all right, I need a physical wall. That's it. I'm going to dump 252 into Fizz Def, 252 HP or 248 HP, whichever, you know, HP um, number you want to land on. Um, but a draft league player would argue that you can't do that because that's extremely lazy prep and you will get caught out because if you don't prep for various different moves on threats on your opponent's team, then you will absolutely get demolished. Ooh, that's an interesting point. How do I want to word this? Essentially, what I'm trying to get at right here is the mods that run 252 spreads in the standard ladder play pretty much are forced to. It's the best idea. Obviously, you're not going to run you're not going to run anything except for max attack, max speed, jolly, mega meta gem, right? It would make no sense. Mm -hmm. It's kind of similar in the um, draft league meta. Obviously, you can EV things to live certain moves. Like you just put a bit of bulk and then put the rest into speed and attack if you really want to. That's sort of the simplest way to look at it. But when you have such a standardized meta, I guess, you sort of have to just go along with it, right? Now, obviously, that's kind of counter... It sort of counters what I said earlier, where they're so similar because you sort of have to consider the similarities between EV spreads. However, I really think that it's, it's sort of just... The, the That's the one big difference, right? You can't really dodge the whole standardized meta. Obviously... Some, on something like a Z Rain Dance Benefit, you're just going to run max special attack, max speed timid. Now, when you're looking at unique Pokemon, Pokemon like Buzzwole, for example, Pokemon like Megalatias, there are so many different EV spreads you can go mm -hmm. along with in the OU meta. You can EV it to tank certain hits from Z moves, such as Lander's T, Flyneam Z after Rocks. Mm -hmm. It's just really not an aspect that's completely ignored in the OU or really any ladder meta. It's just on specific Pokemon and specific threats, where you'll see that a lot in draft too. Uh, on a lot of Pokemon, you'll just find that running max attack and then a little bit of bulk and a certain speed creep is the best way to go. You'll see that on a lot of Scarfers. I really think that it's very easy to just accuse that of being such a sort of, I guess, brainless way to EV Pokemon in, on the ladder when it's it's really prevalent in draft as well. I would I don't know how prevalent it is now. Maybe maybe in um, smaller leagues or maybe with people who are more or in like you know maybe just staring out playing draft like it might be a bit more prevalent because it's the easiest thing to do but you know i i don't know how prevalent it would be in draft i would say that in i would well i would like to think that most players would prep well enough when they're playing draft format that they would ev their defensive pokemon accordingly they would ev their offensive pokemon accordingly so that it can live a certain hit while setting up a sword stance and then proceeding to clean up or what have you so i i don't know i think I think when it comes to EV spreads, that I I get I get your point that there are certain Pokemon that yeah. there are certain Pokemon that it's just forced, yeah, yeah, but... it's forced, right? Like Mega Mega Machamp. Now Mega Machamp probably is forced to do that in draft league as well. So I 
So I will, I know I'm shooting myself in the foot with that comparison, but there's certain Pokemon, let's say Source and Scarachomp, for instance, right? Um, Scarachomp is 102 speed, right? So it's able to outspeed base 100 months, but a lot of people run 252 speed on Garchomp. Why would you? Why do you need to run 252 speed on Garchomp when you can run enough speed to outspeed base 100s and put the four EVs on the extra eight EVs on speed F defense HP like like that like there like like a strategy player would say that that's kind of you know that's just lazy smoke on prep there they just dumped all the EVs on a Pokemon that you know that they wanted when they could have tuned that a little bit. You know, I know this is like I'm nitpicking here, but like, like that, this, this is what a drafting player would say when they're arguing that draft is higher than the Smogon. They would say like, there is a Pokemon that you know just gets done in all lazy, like where when you could fine tune it more specifically to do something. Do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from. Well, I guess how would I want to? argue this obviously I, I did just mention obviously there are forced ev spreads in ou just because of the standard play styles but i really think that while obviously newer draft league players will maybe lean towards smogon evs i definitely think that an experienced smogon battler will recognize the well assuming you play both a smog a good battler in draft and smogon will recognize the comparison between the two and identify how you can apply draft league ev spreads to standard sets on Smogon. Obviously, these are all on, are all on the non-forest ones, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mega Medicham 252, but it's really not an aspect that's completely out of the picture in Smogon play, and that's what I'm trying to get at right here. Mm-hmm. You really can incorporate these ideas into certain EVs. Like, I've seen five different Clefable EV spreads. I've seen five different Lando EV spreads there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really actually prevalent. That's just what I'm trying to sort of head at right here. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely get your point, and I do agree. I'm just nitpicking, yeah. but I, I, definitely, I definitely agree that... <laughs> You do like it's not like it's not as standard as what most people think that it it is a little bit more creative nowadays and you, you, there is a lot more sets out there and you have to kind of you do you do have to kind of EV stuff to tailor for certain hits, um, especially in the Z move era. Yeah, there's so many oh, good yeah. breakers. You need to make sure that your bulk can t- out tank all of those. So that's where sort of the specific EV spreads on bulky mons and OU sort of comes mm-hmm. into play. Yeah, definitely. It's not the it's not like in Oris where you can just do two fifty two split F and two fifty two HP and you're golden. Absolutely not. It's um, yeah, a lot more different yeah. nowadays. Um, but I just just to keep you know kind of you know t- t- playing devil's advocate here a little bit. A yeah, draft pair, right? Okay, if they're oh, when if if we just move away from the prep side of things and the team building side of things when they're when they're battling, right? They a drafted player would always argue, and this is uh, this has probably been the argument from like the dawn of the two uh, the drafting format, right? A drafting format would yeah. always argue that while in battle, they have to consider a host of different things. Like they have to, like they can't assume a set right on a Pokemon because it could be absolutely anything. Like it could legitimately be absolutely anything. You can make safe assumptions, like when you on team on team preview to say this Pokemon could be scarred or like these three Pokemon could be scarfed and what have you right or okay but until they actually st- start scouting for stuff they have no idea what that Pokemon could be carrying whatsoever because it could carry it, it could carry absolutely anything and a drafting player would always say that when they're battling they have to, they have to play 
at a higher level because they can't make assumptions to sets. Whereas a small gun player, when they see when they see certain Pokemon on team preview, they can automatically assume what they're going to do. Well, I could I could sort of tie this into the old argument of there's you could apply this to OU as well. Obviously, there are things you can assume, right? You can look at a team and say this is the only rocker. It's going to have the rocks, and it's probably not scarf, right? When you get enough experience to do that, you'll kind of apply to both formats. However, I think that scouting for certain techs is really cool in OU too. There's definitely things you'll see like random nature powers, random unique Z moves that you really have to keep in mind because of your win conditions. Now, I think the the biggest reason why people actually use that argument as draft is because the stakes are much higher, right? You have one chance to scout for this move, whereas if you lose this game, you're not going to be able to make you could make up you can make it up for it there on the ladder, but I definitely think that, how would I want to go with this? I guess you, you can scout on the ladder too, is basically what I'm trying to get at right here. There are, like, obviously there are players who will just run random, like, six standard mons, and then you can just go ahead and do well with that. Coco Lucha, for example, you know exactly what's coming. Mm -hmm. It's going to be either Shikaberry or Leftovers or Zemo of Coco and then Lucha. But if a really good Draft League player and a really good Smogon player, if you understand both, will know that you have to scout in both the ladder and the draft league meta. It's really just not something you can ignore. Obviously, oh. I, I'm sure every experienced ladder player will know they've gotten caught off guard by random techs before. Mm -hmm. Random choice items like Choice Scarf Manaphy, I've seen that do a lot of work in OU before just because people don't expect it. It's able to revenge call win conditions really reliably. So mm -hmm. I don't think the scouting and trying to consider so many aspects of a team is that unprevalent on any ladder meta. But surely the... But like, surely it's easier. Like that's what a draft league player would say. Like, surely it's easier to m make the reads on team preview um, than it is on a draft in the draft league battle because you could easily point out as like what mon what mons do what more often not in a small gun battle than in a draft league battle. Yeah, that is for sure true. It's kind of hard to. Like, I think it is easier to argue against that just because you can obviously say scouting, you know, applies to both. But mm -hmm. I think that if you really prep well in draft, you'll you'll know every single tech that the opponent can run. And if you really consider that in OU as well, you'll know every single tech that the opponent could have on this Pokemon when you're building your team that would make you want to scout for something else, right? It sort of just goes, ties back to the whole team building thing. You'll know what to watch out for that's unexpected when you are trying to build for either a draft or certain threats on the opponent's team on the ladder. I really think it applies to both. All right, but, all right. So speaking of text, right? Then yeah, I, I I will actually start actually you know supporting the small gun argument here in a moment. I swear, guys. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, like a drafty player would then say that they have to keep in mind more text than a small gun player, right? Because like you wouldn't see Okaberry Scizor, for instance, uh, if you're playing UU, right? You wouldn't see Okaberry like Okaberry Scizor wouldn't be a massive tech, like like it's. I'm not saying it's not uncommon like it's not like crazy wild but it's not um yeah. it's not it's not like the first option but in draft league though they would have to keep in mind band orb uh Ockerberry, um let, what's it called all those kind of various different items for scissor and that would apply for pretty much every single pokemon uh bar like your mega slot like they would have to keep in mind that there's way more text out there for each individual pokemon um so a drafty player would then say, right, okay, scouting then isn't as it might be similar as Smogon and Draft, but the amount of text that we that drafty players ca would experience 
throughout the whole season uh, is a lot. It makes it a lot more difficult than Smogon because in ten battles in Smogon, you might you might only see a crazy bit of tech once, but in ten battles in draft league, you could see a crazy bit of tech in every single game. So they would then argue that a draft league game is harder than a Smogon game. Well, I think this really just goes to how much skill it takes to identify what techs you need to scout for. Obviously, it's just a fact, right? There is there are going to be more techs naturally in draft league than on the ladder. But when these techs are game changing, that's when you should really scout for them, right? I think that's where the skill really applies to both. If you have a win condition and you're afraid of a tech, scout for it in both the draft and standard. That's just a skill that applies to both. However, if it's not your win condition, the tech could always catch you off guard in draft, and that may not be as prevalent in Smogon play. But in both cases, if you're not scouting for a tech that doesn't apply to your win condition, you'll be safe either way. So I really think that while sure you're scouting for so many different options in draft, you really don't have to a lot of the time in both the metas. You just have to make sure that you're focusing on one game plan, which is, I think, that the aspect that kind of ties into both the metas. Mm -hmm. So I, as I was kind of, you know, I, I do kind of agree there. Um... Because I was kind of, I was kind of hoping you would kind of swing back and throw back at me. Well, you know, if you you should know what tech what tech could beat you based on the team you build and the team composition. Because that's what a smogon player, as I said, I, I actually will fight for the smogon core as well. Like a smogon player would also say that a drafting player should know what techs could hurt them, whereas they would have they like they're trying to cover as many bases as they possibly can in their prep. Like they have to account for. They have to come for seeing absolutely everything. They have to come for seeing stall, hyper offense, offensive balance, defensive builds, the whole lot, hazard stacking. They have to come for everything. Whereas a draft, they, a small gun player would say, well, a drafted player relatively knows what 11 months or 12 months on another roster, and they should be able to know what techs could hurt them and to scout for it as well. So I, when. You look exactly, yeah, that's definitely something I could have touched on as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, there, no, but... no, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Because uh, it is your hot take after all, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I definitely, I really like that point, actually. When when you know what 11 Pokemon you're prepping for, you can pretty much make a checklist of techs that you have to watch out for that will affect your win condition mm -hmm. and form a specific game plan designed yeah. for your opponent's draft, right? Whether it's play style, whether it's just you're trying to outbolt them, you're trying to mm -hmm. maintain speed control sort of thing. I think that on OU, you can sort of do the same thing. You'll know that, okay, this playstyle can contain these techs on these certain Pokemon that will affect my win condition against them, and I have to scout for these, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's really just a similar aspect that applies to both. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think it is. No, I think it is. And I think um, I both sides have, like, an argument to say which one's tougher, but I kind of, I definitely agree with your, what, what, you call, what you said at the top of the segment, that it's kind of... It, like they're kind of just they're just kind of fight to see who's who's got the bigger dick essentially like you know <laughs> but uh, that's what it is whereas it's not really the case at all like, like the skills as you said like come across in both plays you know um but uh, but, it, but the team and the team aspect is slightly different um i think probably the one thing where a draft might be a little bit more difficult than smogon is the fact that you have to select 11 pokemon right and yeah. You might not get or twelve Pokemon, whatever the roster size is, but you might not get the roster you really want, or you're not really comfortable with, or it's very one dimensional and it becomes a bit of a struggle then for you to be able to make that work. I think that's probably maybe the one aspect where it's a little bit more difficult when a draft hasn't gone your way and you're trying to fix it and get it working. And to be honest, I you know 
I'm not. I I think draft. I don't think drafting kind of is a good argument to say which one's harder because I think when it comes to actually Pokemon battling, it's team building and making reads, making plays. To actually, that's the comparison. Whereas drafting is kind of like, you know, you can might as well compare that to playing, you know, Madden or NFL or you know NBA Two K Nineteen or something like that. Like where you go and do draft you know career yeah. mode and that like you know because it's you're essentially just trying to pick the best pokemon you possibly can to make a good roster so yeah i guess that's the one thing you can't really argue against because obviously that's a factor that's just completely unprevalent to know you mm-hmm. you have to make sure that when you're drafting you just have all the tools but that's sort of like a, a structured way of trying to you can sort of break it down into like a formula right just make sure you have all of this make sure your speed tiers are good mm-hmm. and then once you understand that it's really just the similar aspects from there really not that difficult mm, yeah i think so i definitely agree i think the uh like just to wrap up the segment i think when it comes to i think when it comes to skill level i think there's you can't there's no way, real way of saying is, is are small gun players higher level than draft league players um i think it's probably easier to measure who's a better small gun player than is on a draft league player I, anyone who asks me who's a really good draft league player or who's my top five forget about asking me guys because it's it's near impossible to rank Drafty players, you can just you kind of just have to put them in groups because it's very difficult to you know rank them. Whereas in small guys, probably easier to rank. But I think yeah. when it comes to like skill level, the skill need to play well in either or. I think you know they're all they're so closely knit as what Jelly was saying earlier on. Uh, I but we're only kind of discussing skill level. I think when if it comes to as a viewer, which one you prefer? I think that's your own, or as a player, which one you prefer playing? That's your own personal preference, but I think when it comes to actual skill level, you know, it's you know, it's not it is not much of an argument to say which one's better than the other. I I, yeah. I definitely agree with Jelly there on that one. They both have similar aspects, but they both have aspects that make both of them stand out from the other, right? You just have to sort of acknowledge that and see that they basically both have their own components. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So all you Twitter trolls out there. Cut it out, guys. Cut it out. We just, we 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 just told you guys what exactly was what what was what. So cut it out and don't uh, quit your bitching. That's what we're, that's what we're telling you guys to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we'll wrap up that segment there. Uh, next week we'll have another one. Uh, I think yeah. I I have one next week. So expect lots All of right, ranting, cool. guys. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be coming with stats. I'm gonna be coming at, at actually stats, Jelly. So you gotta be. Gonna be primed and ready, yeah. ready for me to be dishing out the the facts, the numbers. Yeah, the numbers. I got this. Don't worry. <laughs> Ma- I'm trying me... to refute them. Don't worry. <laughs> imagine me coming out around with facts. Oh my god! Wow. Imagine <laughs> I completely winged this one, but this man is coming here all prepared. Like I, I'm, I'm. That's it. I'm gonna have my. I'm gonna have reviews. The whole lot. I'm gonna be ready to go. I got my notes, man. I got notes. <laughs> Anyways. We move on to the draft leagues. Um, knocking around at the moment, we are going to start off with the UBL, um, which just went. We just had the quarterfinals there over the weekend or the previous weekend. Uh, if you guys haven't checked them out, definitely do so. Uh, our own uh, OP Jellison managed to pick up a two zero win, which is very very nice. Very very mm-hmm. nice. Uh, I felt uh, I'm just going to quick. We'll just quickly touch. Well, I'll quickly touch on your game, Jelly. If you want to check out Jelly, so I definitely go over and watch the side of Al. Um, but I, I definitely felt for you, man, because uh, Jelly was playing silver, and of course I rose the silver last week. So Jelly was under immense pressure to win, and he did. 
But um, I definitely felt for you, buddy, because Silver is a very slow player. And mm-hmm. um, I felt for you towards then that game. I was like, you're this, 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 what's called, this is so slow. Because it, if anyone knows and realize how slow Silver is, Silver will take up the whole timer to the side of play. And he's notorious for it. I wasn't, I wasn't slating him for that last week. But I was definitely, I definitely felt for you this week, buddy. When I was watching your side, I was like, oh, I, I, I remember this feeling well. <laughs> yeah, the thing that annoys me about that most is just, I don't really mind him taking very long, right? Like, obviously, I'll play the long game and try to execute my game plan. But mm. it just makes the video a lot less entertaining when people are just sitting there for a minute and 30 seconds every turn just with nothing happening. I honestly yeah. think that just takes out so much value. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I remember when, like, a few times I played Silver um, when I was uploading um i do well for the first 20 minutes talking like talking in between turns and telling uh, speaking about my game plan and i'm like okay i think he's going to go to this and you know it gives me it gave me a lot of time to plan out moves yeah but i guess there's a certain point in the battle where you know exactly what you're going to do for the next five turns right because you've just you've just been given the time to think about it and you're talking about it on video and it literally gets to the point where you almost become delirious trying to um uh, trying to figure out like what do i say here now like you know it's a bit crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. you know so very unfortunate with that like you know but um yeah um we managed to pick up a 2 win which is the main things and it didn't go to the timer almost did but didn't go to the timer so happy days <laughs> happy days uh, um, i'll take it i guess we'll it was still a fun game yeah yeah exactly you know we'll take it we'll take it um yeah yeah, definitely go check out Jelly's side of it, guys. Uh, link to link to his channel in the description below. All that, all that kind of good stuff. You know, I'll give you, we're giving out a cheap plug there. Um, we will we start off with Vepsis versus Root. Will we have a chat about that one first? Uh, I watched that one. Nice and body bag. Nice and body bag. Um, spoilers by the way, guys. Um, Vepsis won five zero after Root beating him early on in the season, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, do you want to take this one first before I dive into it? Yeah, sure. I really just loved how Vepsis sort of sort of saw the applications of screens plus Mega Gallade. He knew that Mega Gallade's Fizz Def was the main thing holding it back, so he consistently managed to get up Reflect, or I think it was Light Screen, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Might have even been both, but basically saw the drawbacks to Mega Gallade and really managed to patch those up against the Roots roster, and I'm pretty sure it just ended up picking up like four or five kills, right? Yeah, like so the Mega Gallade absolutely tore Roots' team to shreds under the Light Screen. He's called, he brought mm-hmm. Light Screen, yeah. and it just... Taurus team to absolute shreds, which is um, very unfortunate because uh, uh, called, uh, Root's team is very specially oriented. So being being behind light screen meant that you know Mega Glade with natural spit F and light under under the screen was could do a ton of work. It was terrifying. Um, I was watching this game from Vepsis side. Um, I was. And I love Root, by the way, guys. Uh, if, you, if you guys didn't know, I, I'm a, I, I am a big fan of Root. Uh, and I have roasted him, I roast him enough on my own channel to not roast him here. But I have to say, um, I was very kind of... I was very unimpressed with his prep this week. Um, if I'm being honest. Because uh, I, I saw it on... Uh, like, I was watching it on Vep's side. And I was very disappointed that Root didn't bring anything for a load of muck. Very, very exactly. Yeah, all those special offenses, especially behind light screen, yeah. there was just no way for him to break it. Yeah, absolutely no way to break it. He brought a zoomer as his only physical wall, but uh, I was absolutely stunned that he brought nothing for Lola Muck and not uh, and like he didn't have a mon to switch into it or he didn't have a mon to threaten it out. I thought it was a 
bit crazy. Now, I know his roster isn't mm-hmm. great with dealing with Alola Muck, um, but at the same time, I would have thought he would have he would have brought something that would have been able to kind of deal with it because the way it was kind of shaping up, like he has made a camera up, don't get me wrong, he has made a camera up and that could have done a bit of work against it, but the way that the match went for Root, he just allowed Alola Muck to do all the work. Like, Megan Clay got all the, the highlights and the kills, but Alola Muck did all the heavy work in that game. Um, it was the pivot every time. Every it was so time. ridiculous. Every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, Roots registry is set. Um, I think probably, uh, Jelly, you might agree with me with me on this one. If if you've watched this game, guys, right, and you watch it on, just watch it on Veps' side, and you'll see that Veps' kind of figures out the registry is set very quickly. Um, but this would probably be a big thing for newer draft players to draft if you are... If you, if what's called, if you're still trying to get to grasp with it, or you're trying to look for a way to improve your building, if you bring if you design a Pokemon and it gets walled by another Pokemon on your opponent's team, you gotta have um you gotta have a Pokemon that can switch in on that po- on the Pokemon that walls your that set that you create. So, the re- for example, Root brought a Registeel set with Toxic, uh, Stealth Rocks, Seismic Toss, and hidden power bug right because he brought the hidden yeah. power bug to deal with Celebi that set got absolutely walled by Lola Muck absolutely walled and Lola Muck beats that set every time because Vex has brought his you know and Vex has brought the this recycle berry set with Gluttony several times this isn't a crazy set that Vex just came up with and this is a very standard set for Lola Muck as well so Root brought a Pokemon that got absolutely shut down by a relatively standard Lola Muck set okay that's fine because Registeel was had tech to answer for Celebi, set up rocks, and Seismic Toss always gets fifty damage off no matter what. So he brought his stuff with he brought he Registeel had a roll and, that, and that's fine. But if that Pokemon gets walled by uh, a solid mod on Vex's team like a Lola Muck, you have to have an answer. You have to have a Pokemon that can switch in on a Lola Muck. You cannot just allow a Lola Muck to come in on Registeel and you not have a switch in for it. Like that's extremely Yeah, and not only Go on. You can't not only have a switch in, you have to have a Pokemon that can reliably wall break that Alolan Muck when you switch mm-hmm. it in. You can't just safely try to switch in and then make nothing happen. You really have to make sure, okay, how am I going to deal with this? I have to somehow force it out, make sure something else takes hazards damage, this takes damage when it comes back in. It just felt like Root really didn't have a game plan around that thing at all. No, absolutely nothing. And his answer was to try and just get enough chip with Registeel so that something could come in and threaten the Alolan Muck out. But that was never going to be the case because... Anytime Lodomuk yeah, Lodomuk looked like it was going to get into the yellow next turn, Vex just kicked Recycle, got back up then to you know, 85% HP, you know, same old thing again, got got hit off, all that kind of good stuff. So it was kind of disastrous there by Root. And I kind of have Root up as a, like a decent drafting player, but that was very poor prep by him to not have A, a Pokemon that can switch into Lodomuk and B, a Pokemon that can break it. Uh, like as I said, his roster isn't great for dealing with a load of muck. It's a big weakness on his roster, but that's you know he could have designed something to deal with it. Um, I don't think Choice Bandit Azumarill is that Pokemon because if that gets red, it's a poison jab. Azumarill gets knocked out. So I think mm-hmm. you know he probably was forced to bring Mega Camerupt and he didn't because even though that's not a reliable switch the whole time, Mega Camerupt is still. Uh, not an easy Pokemon to switch into with a Fire Blast, so that would have forced Vepsis to make tough decisions and would have gotten a nice chip off. 
It is what it is. Um, but yeah, if you're a newer drafting player, or if you even if you're a drafting player that's looking to improve, when you design a Pokemon, you've got to, uh, and when you're done kind of designing it, see if it gets walled by anything. Check what, like, it, it, or like, check the scenarios. I always say that that's my probably the biggest advice. If someone it, has gotten the foundations and they're looking to make the next step, I always tell somebody, see what scenarios that that Pokemon's going to create when you're building. Like, if that Pokemon, like, if Registeel is going to create the scenario where Alola Muk comes in, what is your answer then? What is your next move? If you don't mm-hmm. have an answer for that, you need to figure it out because that's going to be a reliable switch in all of a sudden, in, like, you know, because once that gets figured out, a load of muck will come in and wall you. So if you're looking, if you look, if if you're a draft player and you're trying to come up with something different or come up or improve, that would be my piece of advice, I think. Yeah, I think that's what really separates the best draft league players from maybe the average ones. Like, the average individuals will think, okay, I can kill this with this Pokemon, but... The best ones will actually think, okay, in this scenario, what can I do? Is it going to set up on me? Can I switch out into this mm-hmm. counter reliably? I think you really have to actually envision what's your game plan going in against this Pokemon instead of just knowing that a certain Pokemon can revenge it or potentially switch in if you get the call right. I really don't think that's smart. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And I think like that that's that's a skill that comes with time, practice. Mm-hmm. And uh, as, I tell, uh, as I tell everybody... Get people to review your battles. If you have somebody that you can go to about trying to learn prep, go to them and ask them what do you think of this, what do you think of that. Because it's the easiest way to get better is ask somebody you think is better than you and they can help you a little bit. And then as time goes on, you get to their level and you'll be able to, you'll be, every time you come up with prep and you get it to be double-checked or whatever, it's already going to be solid. It's, got, it's already going to be at a higher level. So... Yeah, uh, I think that was kind of story of Vepsis and Root. Um, I thought Root was very poor that this week. Vepsis just kind of did Vepsis things and just dominated from start to finish. And yeah, once he it, was, won- it was not even a game. Like yeah. it was pretty clear who was winning that. Like ten turns in. Yeah, and very, it was very simple. Like once he realized that no, nothing was getting through that load of muck, it was going to be. It was just a matter of time and what the score was going to be, and that was that. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is unfortunate. Um, but do you want to touch on another really interesting one, Dr. Slacking, an older player now? I do. I actually, yes. do you know something? I actually am delighted about this game. I am actually am delighted. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a brilliant game. I was a big mm-hmm. fan of this game. Um, I know we roll Slacking a lot on this pod, but I thought he was brilliant this week. Um, I thought his prep was on point. He didn't give himself no credit. He should have given himself way more credit over this. He did. He, he had the right amount of prep. He knew that... Um, Celestia was a problem. Uh, he even gave us a shout out, which was lovely. I, and I'm not just kind of giving him props because he gave us a shout out, but he knew from prep Celestia was a problem. Uh, he knew he wasn't going to uh, be able to break it easily, um, but he kind of went in the mindset that he has to put Josh under pressure for him to be able to do well. Because if Josh got pressure on him, he was he like Slacking was eventually going to lose. So the fact that he knew, right, we're just going to go in, click buttons, make uh, and create 50-50 situations and force Josh to make a play he doesn't want to I think Slacking did very very well in creating those 50-50 scenarios getting the 50-50s right and preserving his win con until the very end uh, with the Infernape because we always said that Infernape was the only Pokemon that can rely with Breaks out of Steeler and that's exactly what happened to Infernape and he what's called Slacking brilliantly positioned his Pokemon to to finish off the Celesteela properly and that was brilliant exactly I really love 
I really love how he identified what his flaws were in the first game in week number one and really just built upon that. He knew in the first game he had nothing for Celesteel and it showed. Mm-hmm. He even acknowledged that we, you know, mentioned that in this podcast last week and mm-hmm. he pulled off a really brilliant way to just knock it out and it worked out for him. Mm-hmm. It was brilliant. I was, and it was really entertaining to watch because he, he was trying to force all these scenarios and he knew what he was trying to do and he always had a game plan in, in mind. He, he knew what the end goal was. Um, he knew after he got a little bit more chip on Celesteel that that the Diggers B was uh, was was able to do it as well. Yeah, like he was, uh, he was got. He really put himself into a brain position to win the game. So it was absolutely fantastic to uh, watch. He should have given himself more credit because that was not an easy matchup at all. That I, I, we all had Josh win in that game, and it was brilliant that slacking against the odds pulled it off. It was, he actually did a he did a really good job. I thought Josh's um complaints about the. The hacks, the least don't miss on Mega Sceptile was a bit null and void because he, like, as Slacking pointed out, he could have easily gone in after Slacking uh, Sceptile went down and set up the autonomize against Palosan because, you know, what's like Celestia was packing energy ball, Celestia could have taken on the Palosan 1v1 and at plus two, there wasn't exact uh, plus two speed, Celestia, I don't think Slacking beats it, so I think. You know, Ultra Player kind of choked more, uh, uh, choked there in that regard, and could have, uh, I also had further opportunities that I'd like to set up Celestia. So I think, I think if Josh is complaining about that hacks, he should probably have a further look at his plays um, directly after it because he also choked. And yeah, spam Dragon Pulse in that scenario. Make sure it's in range of that energy ball, and then bring yeah. out Celestial after. I think that's the much better option there. I totally agree. I t- absolutely totally agree. He, why why risk the miss when he mm-hmm. when he had the perfect setup there? Um, I don't know what was going through his head. Um, but I agree. I think it's not. It wasn't hacks that lost Josh the game. It was it was chokes. But slacking also forcing Josh to make very difficult fifty fifty calls. And slacking again. The majority of those fifty fifty calls right was. What won him the game, which was really good, really, really good. Exactly, yeah. And then I don't know if you actually got to this one, but did you check out Dai and Goldoa? No, because sure, Dai is going to win because he's got the god team from me, right? You know, so doesn't doesn't <laughs> matter. Right? Every that yeah, exactly. So I don't, I, I can't watch it. Like you know, like it's I'm just there watching it. I'm like this is simple. And when I watched this battle last week, he was he just he was like meh. I'm I'm not going to bother battling Frosted. I'm just going to get this battle done and. That'll be that, you know. So I was, I was just not invested in him. He's got the god team. If he fails, it's because he 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 played with the god team. I left behind, and if he wins, it's because he had literally a perfect team to start off with. And you know, you know that's that's my take on it. That is literally my take on it. So I'm not interested. Sorry, I'm sorry, die. Sorry, buddy, but not interested. So I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. <laughs> did you watch it? Uh, I did watch it. Um, I actually. Like, Goldo Dragon argued a lot of factors at the end of this game. Obviously, he didn't have enough time. He was already getting ready to, you know, pretty much just check out for the night, and then Dai hit him up and was like, let's oh. battle. So oh. I definitely feel bad for him, but at the same time, I really don't think that's an excuse. Like, I played at 5 a.m., and I pulled up and actually made it happen. I don't really know why you can't just kind of deal with it. That's sort of my take on that. Can I actually, just before we switch gears, right, that was yeah. absolute BS by Silver, making you play at 5am, right? If everyone does know the time zones, Silver is in my time zone in Ireland, right? Uh, so he's five, five hours ahead. He made you, Jenny, wake up at 10am, or 10am UK Irish time, um, 5am your time, right? 
in Easter. Yeah, yeah. That was absolutely crazy, right? If he could battle at 10 a.m., what was stopping him battling at 12 a.m.? One uh, or what? 12 uh, midday, 1 p.m., right? And silver streams during the, uh, during the weeks, right? Like there was many, like most of the time when I was playing draft leagues, I would I had to not stream one night so I could do a draft league battle, right? It was, that was just the way it was. I when you when you like messaged like me and were like, oh, I got this draft league battle. Now I was like, what? Against silver at like 10 a.m. What is go- what is he doing to you? Like that's crazy. No, no. Sometimes you All have right. to get up. You have to get up that early because you might be battling somebody in Australia or you might be battling somebody over in the west of America and they they're working while I'm free and it just so happens one of us has to stay up really late and the other one has to wake up really early. That's the way it is. But five hour time difference. It's not that difficult. You could have easily just you know. Right. I'm gonna cut you off there because before you continue going off on silver. I just want to point out, it wasn't completely his fault. We knew that we wanted to get it done early. I think it was unfortunate that, you know, it had to wait until Saturday morning. But it was really me who, you know, we really wanted to get it done super early because I wanted to have my team builder up before the battle ended. But I definitely think we could have waited a couple hours. It still would have been 7 a.m. and my team builder wouldn't have gone up. Should have just, just delayed the team builder. Should have just delayed the team builder. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Like, God... I, I I have a set upload schedule. I, I oh. have to stick to that. Like people have to expect videos at a certain time. <laughs> yeah. uh, one day you should just not release a video on time and see where it gets you. Just see the reaction. <laughs> I'll just upload at like eleven thirty p.m. and see what happens. Yeah, eleven thirty-one or something like that. <laughs> one minute past it. Yeah. <laughs> Some random time. Oh my god! But yeah, if you're if you're a drafty player, guys, don't be that dick. That forced somebody to get up at five a.m. unless you really have to. Right? Don't be that dick. <laughs> Um, also, also one final note. Actually, um, I was very impressed with um, Slack King's um, video because, and I wanted to say that now because oh, yeah. uh, I thought his commentary was brilliant. Um, I just want to say it now because we're about to move into WB. Unless you got anything else to say on the UBL, but oh no, we'll talk about the semi-finals before we move into WB. But when we move into yeah. WB, I, I, I wanted, uh, I just, uh, I do have a, a critique for one coach, and I just want to mention that Slack King had a really good commentary and used that as a comparison. But, um, yeah, I, I do have something else to say about this, actually. I am really sad that Dr. Slacking won that game because Ultra Player was actually the player who I think I have a better matchup against, and um, I don't get to battle that matchup now, so <laughs> there we are. But you're up against Slacking next, right? I am up against Slacking next, and I, I don't switch in to, like, Diggersby or Infernape or any of them. You're supposed to say that. You're supposed to, like... I, I got all the switches, right? That's what you're supposed to say. Of course. Oh, yeah, I got to bluff him, right? I, I, I deal with these Pokemon. You, yeah. you don't bring them, sort of thing. Yeah. What do you mean you don't switch it to Diggersby? Like, you, like, you have a hip out on your sound. Don't worry about it. You have a grumble. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that takes two choice banded returns, right? Yeah, That's yeah. How... You have a grumble. Intimidate. Easy, right? Job done. Simple, simple right? Okay, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we, what's it called? Uh, we won't talk about um, your semi-final against Slacking. Um, but definitely can't wait to see who's gonna win that one. But yeah, we have versus. Well, we, we, we can't wait to see the result of it. Uh, but we won't yeah. talk about it because you know we uh, we don't want we, we don't want you uh you know we, we don't want you revealing stuff. So we keep it accidentally spoiling stuff. Yeah. yeah, we don't want that. Um, but we'll talk about Vepsis and Die. Um, what do you who do you think is gonna win? I. Well, I think you have an opinion based on which roster somebody is playing with, but I really think Vepsis has the upper hand right here, just like based off of battling capability. I I would agree. I would agree wholeheartedly. I think Vepsis wins um, because I think that 
when I think that Vepsis has the uh, just the higher skill set, and I think Vepsis has a good squad and a squad. Now, granted that Die has the gods, well, not the god squad anymore, but a very good squad because Die obviously you know butchered my squad, but uh, <laughs> but I I think they're both good squads, but I think Vepsis is the better player, and yeah, I think exactly. and I I think the problem is is that. Vepsis would predict him on an awful lot of stuff. Um, Vepsis would predict Lando T to come in on a load of muck every time and he'll bring Gliscor to Wallet uh, or he'll bring in Scizor to Wallet. I think it'd be very simple. And then Ladios, Bysharp and Decidue White won't be able to deal with a load of muck. Um, I think a load of muck does an awful lot of work this game. Um, and I think the only way Die has to beat is Lando T. But Vepsis has so many answers for Lando T. Uh, it's a bit crazy. So I think, you know... The fact that one Pokemon kind of is, is able to shut down Dice team a little bit, and Vepsis has answers for the one breaker and switch in for it, I think that leads to Vepsis winning. Now, it's not that Dai does not have answers for Vepsis team. Like, Dai has a lot of threats. Dai still has that sand. He has Mega Pinsir. He has Lando T. Uh, he's got an awful lot of good stuff there going for him. But I think when you're talking about the mid game and getting the valuable chip you need for Pokemon to sweep, I think Vepsis would get the good chip he needs just off one Pokemon, whereas Dai needs a couple of Pokemon to get the chip he needs for uh, to break through uh, Vepsis' roster. That's my take on it. What's your take? Exactly. Well, I definitely see... I see certain breakers on Dai's team that can do really well. I don't know if I should actually say them because they haven't played their semifinals game yet. Do you care if I do? or? I, I don't mind. I don't mind. Uh, what's called? They have, what, I, I, they've done the prep, right? So I'm not worried about it. Yeah. What I could see doing a lot of work right here is like a Dragon Dance regular Latios with a mixed spread of like Earthquake, Hidden Power, Fire, and the Dragon Pulse, I guess, would be the next best thing. I think it does really well in the speed control aspect, but it's also able to pressure Pokemon like Alolan Muck and the Diancie now. It'll obviously be interesting to see whether Vepsis is going to bring specific checks, like maybe Shikaberry on Alolan Muck, maybe Shikaberry on the Diancie, but I really could see that set being a great endgame for um, die right here if he wants to try to go for that. Do you see him then setting up on the Celebi? Uh, well, I think Celebi gets access to Thunder Wave, so he really has to scout for that. I think Alamomola is nice setup fodder, but you have to watch out for potentially a Scald Burn. I think that Moltres can easily be set up on, but obviously you have to scout for the Zemo first. I, there are options, but if he can get it to work, I really see it I, doing the job. I don't know if he can set up on the Alamomola. I would assume Alamomola would have Toxic. Yeah, that would be true. I mean, even if it Toxics, you could potentially set up and then try to get a couple kills with it, maybe put yourself in the better position. Mm. I don't know. I really see him using it as an endgame scenario, though. It is tough, though, because there are lots of priority moves that threaten it. Shadow mm. Sneak from Greninja, Alolan Muck, and then Bullet Punch from the Scissor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and he... What's called, if he goes EQ, Dragon Pulse, you'd have to have Hidden Power Fire. Yeah. Um, I think Celebi can... I think Celebi beats that. I, I, I know what you mean. It's an interesting set. I, 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 I'd be dead curious to see if it works. I would be very, very curious. Um, I feel like against Vepsis, he, he might anticipate it and just you know completely shut it down. But it's actually a great endgame right here. I think the coverage the coverage does really well. Mm -hmm. Oh, the coverage does well. Um, but Dai does have to get valuable chip on an awful lot of Pokemon to make sure that does the work. Yeah, for sure. He does, he does, he does. And he, he, also has, he does have a good few threats. Because um, I don't see an answer for Stoutland on Vepsis' team. 
wow, actually, yeah, where's the normal resist? His normal mm -hmm. resist is scissor, and that gets blown away by fire fangs, yeah. so I don't and, know. And he's got the anti as well, so like EQ, fire fang, crunch, return, kind of just walks through Vips's team almost. So there's an, and he, he might not want to run, might not want to run crunch, he might run ice fang for glide score, you know? So I think. I think like there like as you said, Die has the breakers, but I I am cure I think Vepsis as the overall player will be able to shut him down because he'll bring in a load of muck, he'll get the chip he needs, and then he will bring in either Greninja or Megalade to finish off the game. That's the way I see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I could see it going either way, but I think just based off of player skill, I don't see Vepsis losing. Pretty much what you've said over and over again. But yeah. 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 And then and then I'm gonna sit here. Next week, and I'm going to be like, die, you should never change a team. I gave you the league. I gave you a title right there, and you ruined it. Ruined it. <laughs> so, wait for that one, guys. Wait for that one. Wait for that one. Mm -hmm. All right, okay, we will switch gears. Uh, I know the UBL took a while, but UBL is actually the most interesting team, thing going at the moment, so that's the reason why we spent a while on it. Um, we will have a quick touch on the BBL. Um, I watched a little bit of BBL this week. I saw Leo... Versus JB Westside. Uh, it was kind of it was a grand chill game if you ask me. Uh, it wasn't too crazy. It was none of, none of the same craziness that we saw from Leo in week one. Um, Against Matt, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, you know, JB kind of you know put a bit of pressure on a little bit with the crowd on, but uh, and and but the fact that Leo forgot to have a huge power in Azuma meant it kind of slowed him down a little bit but once he got over that and managed to kind of play around it Leo kind of put himself in a win position and won so it wasn't too crazy there and I watched Aaron's game as well to, uh, uh, you know it was a bit strange watching Aaron's side of a battle because he streams his battles uh, I think that's a bit of a hindrance for him actually I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's actually 100% sharp when he streams his battles I think he's too busy talking to the chat and trying to be and uh, be entertaining rather than making uh reads three or four plays down the line i think that's definitely rather than trying to win basically is what you're trying to say <laughs> yeah i know i think so like he's there like congratulating his opponent oh good play like uh, good play there i'm like yeah buddy uh you, you know maybe if you focus a little bit on the battle and making the, the right reads might you know stop you from being over three in the league that you made that might that might help that might help you know just a <laughs> small little thing yeah you know um but I, that's what I saw this week. It's still a like it's fun, coolie to watch because there's just so many broken ones that they get to play with. Like I saw, I saw Arceus, you know, crazy. But it's it's hilarious yeah. to see an Arceus go around throwing judgments around the place in a, in a drafting battle. So that's <laughs> always cool. Um, did you watch any of the league, bud? I did. I watched Kelly versus I completely forgot who he played. Now it was Mastodon, Mastodon coach of the Mastodon Gastrodons, <laughs> and um, basically there was an end game. There was thirty minutes left on timer. Mastodon, I believe, had the game with his setup Arceus, and then Kelly crits through it with I think low kick from his Mega Mewtwo X, and argues that you know the crit was justified. We don't want to go to timer, but I really think that game should have been Mastodon's. It easily would have knocked out the last three Pokemon on Kelly's team before the timer went off. I really don't know what he was. Thinking there, obviously there might be something that I'm completely missing, but look, maybe look, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think it's crazy. If you turn around and say, "Oh, we don't want the game to go to timer," like no player wants the game to go to timer, but if it means you're going to win, unfortunately you got to go down that route. And to be honest, you should only be th kind of thinking about timer when there's like five minutes left in a match and you can't break through anything, but you got an extra Pokemon. And you're like, well, screw this. 
I can't break through him, but I got extra Pokemon, so we're going down a timer. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, that's the only time. When he's 30 minutes in and he's, you know, complaining about a timer, then get out of here, man. You don't be, you know, don't want to don't hear it. <laughs> yeah, if you know you've lost in this Arceus, even if it takes 20 minutes to happen, just... Take the L, dude. You lost to this Arceus. Just let it happen. Yeah, exactly. Let the Arceus pick pick you off. You know, you never, you never know. He could have anything could have happened, but you can't justify Hax's win con. Yeah. Now I will give Kelly credit for he knew that he had Loki as his crit win con. I really think that's really the drawback to set up, especially bulky set up psychic mm, types. Yeah. It wasn't Arceus psychic, but like when you're just clicking recover and set up moves over and over again, you have to expect it, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's going to happen yeah. at some point. Yeah, I totally agree. It's the only drawback. I remember. Oh, there was one drafty game I had, and I don't know why. It was a long time ago, but I had an Umbreon. Don't, yeah, don't, don't ask me why I drafted Umbreon, but I uh, had an Umbreon. <laughs> uh, curse set up. Win. Yeah, the win was in the bag. Crit. Umbreon broken through. Lost the game. Simple as that, you know? You know when you, It's the only drawback to bulky setup or bulky defensive setup. Crit's happening. Yeah, that's why... Yeah, they, they do happen all the time. That's why, if you actually watch my all my draft league games this year, I'm pretty sure I've brought setup to two games. My UBL Week 10 game versus Root, mm-hmm. and I brought setup Reuniclus to one of my WPL games. I really hate setup just for that reason. I think that just going on the offense, throwing out attacks, and actually forming an offensive game plan is the more reliable strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I like um, offensive setup myself. I think if you can get in a situation where you can play Solar Sense or T-Dance, Go for it. That's but I that yeah. I I always prep to uh, say all right. I want set up. Which Pokemon is going to set up? What's the scenario I can set up in? These yeah. are the, these are the two scenarios that I could actually pro- uh, create fairly reliably for me to set up. I'm going to set up, and if I can't do that, something's getting banded. <laughs> then just don't bring the setup. It's not worth it. You're uh, just you know, locked. Exactly. Exactly. So there's one or the other. But um, uh, I I'm nothing else to say on the BBL. I didn't get to watch mm, too much of it. Um, BBL, yeah, not the most exciting week, but you know, maybe it'll pick up from here. Yeah, I, I, look, it's a nice fun league because of all the Ubers that are in it. Um, so it, yeah. it's always good to watch. So if you guys haven't checked it out, definitely do so. Um, I think they'll have we we they have an early week upload, so they'll be uploaded like on a Monday or a Tuesday, and they'll have their power rankings for week four coming out soon. I think because they do it every second week, so definitely go check them out. Yeah. Right. Let's move on to the WBE. Um, We'll have a quick round up of this. Um, Jay and I, we were talking off air. This was a, a very boring week in the WB. We both Not agreed. a lot of good games. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah, standard of play wasn't high. Um, I suppose we did say at one point uh, a few podcasts ago that the WB probably has the more entertained, the bigger names, but when it comes to skill-wise, I wouldn't say that they're all the most skilled battlers going and they're, they definitely could have got more skill for battlers. Um, just, just the way it is. Um but we will take a look. We have a quick recap of the results for week 11. Um, There's actually one game that I actually do want to touch on a bit more. I don't know if you watched it, but mm-hmm. you're cool if I point it out here. Uh, yeah, go for it, man. Yeah, so I don't know if you watched Wolf versus Vivid. I did. Vivid actually managed to clutch that game out with mm-hmm. the Noivern spamming Earth Slash at the end, which mm-hmm. oh, that was really mind-boggling. I've seen Vivid be super inconsistent this season. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his record doesn't completely show that, but... Mm-hmm. I really think that he's one of the weaker contenders, but just to see him actually manage to clutch that out, especially, you know, focusing on a win con in Neuvern was really cool to see executed against that man to buzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was really cool to see. Uh, I think Wolfie kind of definitely misplayed 
this yeah. week and it's not often you see him misplay but he definitely misplayed a few times this week he allowed his extra to get weakened and that was his only Galvantula answer on his team so that was a bit strange to see it get him weakened and he was really running out of Noivorn answers very early in the game which is very strange he's not been a lot more here, uh, savvy with that kind of stuff um, and I thought uh, I thought his game plan was very very good actually he realised very quickly that Gengar could do so much work against Vivid but for whatever reason, uh, after after like a couple of times Gengar came in, Gengar just got really weakened and he couldn't, he, 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 Wolfie couldn't just freely bring in Gengar uh, as much and he had to be a lot more careful with how Gengar was being used, which is very, very... Uh, yeah, that's really what held him back. When your best breaker is something that can't reliably break, then you know you're in a bad spot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's very, it, it was kind of, it was tough because it, it, it was getting to the point where Gengar kicked Shadow Ball and nothing came in on a Shadow Ball from Gengar. Like it was... You know, Gengar does isn't it? It's probably one of the more underrated Pokemon in the format. But when Gengar came in, it was what's called. There was nothing that Vivid has answered. It's something was going to either get dropped or be brought or get broken. It was going to take uh, over fifty percent. So that, like that, that was obviously really really nice damage. But um, I think Wolfie just couldn't bring in Gengar as freely, and a lot of answers for his Pokemon were getting worn down. And I thought it was a bit crazy that you know he allowed. Blastoise get toxic and worn down and Blastoise was his Mega Aggron answer. I don't kind of like that matchup. Like, I've used Mega Aggron before in Draft League. You know, Mega Aggron is, you know, no problem sitting there taking Aurasphere and Toxic and a bulky water type just to get yeah. the Toxic that, off and then getting that out of there. filter is so good. Yeah. yeah. Filter is animal. So, like, I think that was... I, I think for Wolfie, it was like, oh, yeah, that's no problem. I'm just going to click Aurasphere here and hit, hit this Aggron and get a good bit of damage off. I don't think he kind of properly examined that matchup well enough to kind of say that's actually a trade-off that a lot, lot of players would take they would take a toxic on a bulky water type from uh, if it's mega aggro and then switch out and allow somebody else and then kind of pivot around it because then it got to the point where blastoise was an answer for noivern and it just slowly started to unravel then for uh for wolfie slowly but surely after that mm-hmm. that's the way i'm pretty sure he's locked for playoffs i don't know if he'd want to mask playoff strategies but not the strongest game on his end. I think, mm-hmm. well, I think Vivid played an average game, but Wolfie just played a bad one. That's really what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, it was a bit, I think it was definitely more so Vivid kind of played closer to his ceiling, whereas Wolfie had more of an off day. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I also watched, let me have a, look, watch, just have a quick flick through them again. I didn't watch everything because... The standard was so poor this week. I watched Auto versus A Drive, and I watched uh, Pokemon versus Steve. Um, I watched it on Auto's side. Did you watch Auto's game versus A Drive this week? I did, but I watched A Drive's side, not Auto's. Yeah. Now I, I I watched Auto's side, and it was it was kind of oh I kind of fell for him because I don't I, I I he he knew exactly what went wrong so early because he knew he shouldn't have. Sacked. He shouldn't have let Raikou and Clefable get taken as much damage. But I thought Auto did very well and bring the game back and put Dan under a bit more pressure. But once them two were gone, there, there was no like rock answer on Auto's team at all. There was actually a point in that game where I, I saw Scarf Latios just cleaning with Psy Shock based on A Drive letting Flora just get so weak. But mm-hmm. that Sucker Punch is just way too strong, and Auto didn't really. He I think he anticipated it, but he just didn't really tried to play around it as yeah. well he didn't try to stall out all late or anything yeah. i i'll be perfectly honest when i see lycanroc i i immediately don't assume sucker punch like that's very that's that's a 
nice tech to have. Uh, yeah, you, you can see Acceleroc, right? Yeah. Yeah, I see Excel. You see Acceleroc, you see Stone Edge, um, you see Crunch, and you might and you see Drill Run. You see kind of or or some or Firefang or some one of those other five moves, but like you never or Source Dance or Steph Rocks. Like those would be the the standard kind of pool that like Rock would use. Circle Punch is there, but because, yeah, that was a really good tech. Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, like you know, as you, like, so, like as you said, really good tech, but it's not something that's a massive bring because Acceleroc is the bread and butter. Um, it's the bread and butter for. So I thought it was, I thought it was a really nice bring. Whoever is that, whoever was in dance front office that suggested bring a sucker punch for the Ladios, that was a really good idea. Yeah, especially on a team that was so side shock weak. Such a good bring. Yeah, it was really really good, and it meant it also freed up the Curum. To not be <laughs> yeah. uh, what's called not be scared and be Z move and nuke something. So really, really nice spring. I just felt that I felt that auto probably put myself in a really good position after being far behind. But you know, like you don't like it's it's not something that you have to, you overly concern yourself. For. Like when you lose Clef and Raikou, you just gotta kind of go with it and say right, okay, Ladios is my win con. Let's try, let's wear down floor just a bit, wear down Curum a little bit, and try and just win with side shock. And that's what I did, but. The tech was there by Dan, so I think it was more so just prep by Dan really got him, and then you know auto and reflection realizing I should have had something to potentially stop the like rock, you know. Probably yeah, exactly. We just back around to the first segment where we said uh, where I made the point that a drafted player would always say that they have more tech to scout for, you know. But it is it is what it is, you know. That's yeah, exactly. Uh, very much got like you get those weeks to happen. Um, did you watch any other games? I want to ask you before we dive into the G- the, the uh, GBA kind of throwback match. Yeah, sure. I didn't really... I mean, I watched some of the boring ones. I watched Joey versus Boff. Joey had a bad matchup, but just 6 0 because Boff had no idea what he was doing. Jeez. And I watched MV versus Elliot, but that was a good game. Like, I'm pretty sure MV only won 1 or 2-0, but it was pretty clear, like, halfway through, MV was in the driver's seat, even after he lost his mega turn one, and he knew the, what his win condition was, so... Nothing really special there, but what was the GBA throwback, Steve and Steve John, and right? Steve and Pokemon, yeah, John. So, I watched it on John's side, and um, Jesus, uh, I'm not going to watch another game on his side for the rest of the league anyways. God almighty, I, I nearly died having to watch it. It was, you can tell he's a shiny hunter now anyway, it was based on his commentary, it was <laughs> awful, like, oh my god. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but I was though, like, honestly, it was shocking, like, it was absolutely shocking. Um... Yeah, he was one of the more consistent battlers here, though. Nice and eight and three now. But... Yeah, nice and eight, nice and eight and three now. I I thought Steve. Do you know the way Steve can be hot and cold? He can come up with some insanely mad stuff, and it'll just you know you won't have an answer for it, and you will lose. Or what I find with Steve is he'll come up with some insanely good stuff, and then he'll just chuck it away anyway. He doesn't execute it, right? Yeah, that's the crazy thing about like he it's it's he's he's like two different players sometimes. Like it's just mad. But it's definitely this is definitely one of the weeks where. He came up with crazy stuff and it just never worked. And John just had like, you know, a couple of nice things, picked stuff off, you know, and, you know, John was definitely not 100% plugged in because he forgot some some things as the battle went on about his, Pokemon, about his team. And then he remembered and, you know, switched up his game plan a little bit and what have you. Like he forgot he had Yachiberry on Decidueye to lure in Swampert. And you know, and, and then he remembered suddenly. Oh wait a minute! I have this, so let me bring in Decidueye now on free, free switching to Swampert. Yeah, this is great, and what have you. So, um, it was kind of, to be honest, like it was a kind of a boring match because neither, 
like Steve never put enough pressure on John to for, um, and John never seemed to really be clued in as to what was going on especially if that's what I came across on his live comment anyways it definitely looked like he was under no pressure he might as well have just been shiny hunting as far as I'm concerned or it could have been he could have gone off and done something altogether like I, I, won't, I won't mention I was going to come up with an innuendo there but I said I better not <laughs> but uh, he could have done anything like he could have done anything there I, I was miserable so that's the reason why I wanted to say previously that I thought Sacking's commentary was absolutely fantastic because that is a prime example of uh, probably the analysis basically yeah exactly like there, that's a prime example of somebody who is actually a really good draft lead for Aller who also creates really good content whereas John is probably a guy who used to be, or probably still is a good drafty baller, but is not the same person when it comes to actually making entertaining content about drafty balls. And even then, based on that ball, I wasn't overly wowed by John. And I said last week's podcast, I wasn't overly wowed by John's prep either. So I think 83 is very flattering for John at the moment. Uh, even though he's locked for playoffs, mm, I think yeah. um, I think he'll be picked off. I think someone can knock him over and... He'd be sitting there saying, oh, it wasn't meant to be. I'd be like, well, dude, like you weren't exactly. There was that one point where I can say he was hitting all cylinders in the WB this year. So um, if, uh, what's it called? if John ever drops out, I think Slacking should get a space. That's what I'm saying, because I can actually watch his videos. <laughs> <laughs> wow, straight up, you didn't hesitate with that one. I didn't hesitate. I was like, dude, you know, honestly, John, I was, I'm a big John fan as well. I used to love him when, when he was properly doing it consistently on the GBA and he was plugged in. His videos were actually really good. He always gave a good bit of insight. And, you know, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But it was, you know, play-by-play was very interesting. God, his play-by-play commentary this week was just awful. Sorry. The, the one thing I do enjoy about his commentary is I watched some of the other weeks. I love how lighthearted they are. Like, he doesn't take them overly seriously, but he still manages to perform. But I definitely get where you're coming from. His actual, like, battling analysis, even on a live com, was so much better back in like GBA season 8 or even you know earlier GBA yeah because he, he still kept it light hearted but he, there was a serious to it like when he needed to get plugged in and make a, a tough call or make a decision like he you could tell the gears were going in his mind as he was going through his process and then while he waited for things to unfold he'd be more light hearted but I like it, it seems like the gears are rusty needs a bit of oil needs to be you know lubricated up a little bit and get going again if he wants to win you know, you know mm-hmm. so that's the way I look at it. Um, For sure. All right, will we have a quick look at the playoff uh, permutations, will we? Yeah, sure. We can just uh, run through who you think are... Well, obviously, you know who's making it at this point. It's pretty clear, but we can maybe anal- like analyze some of the potential matchups and who we think is going to come out on top. Uh, I think... Uh, if we look at the sword, uh, sword Division first, will we? Yeah, sure. Uh, I don't know how it works, but I think it's going to be first seed in the Sword Division versus... 7th seed in the Shield Division, right? Because they're on even numbers. So I'm assuming that's how it's going to work. Um, I think right now, this could be a really good game. I think Uzi, who we actually said a couple of weeks ago, remember that if Uzi come, it comes in and performs to his highest capabilities, he could sneak in playoffs. He's now got the 7th birth in the mm-hmm, Shield yeah, Division. Yeah, you see that green spot. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Otto took over the, the team with a better record and he's so far below Uzi now. It's kind of sad. I do, I do kind of like Uzi is the better baller, um, but I think Otto as well. Like we said a while ago, I think nerves get to him, and the one time yeah. and and his best performance was against a coach he had already played in the UBL. So I think the nerves kind of get to him. Now to be fair, it was more of a misplay against Dan, so it wasn't nerves. But I think his first game 
was def- definitely had an awful lot of nerves to it. But um, I think Joy versus Uzik will be really good. I think Uzik will come up with some nice tech and really throw Joy a little bit. And Joy will actually be pu- tested a lot more than he has been in other battles. So that should be a really good battle. Um, I think Joy will come out on top, but it's not gonna it's not gonna be like um. Like a cakewalk for like every other game he's had. Yeah, exactly. Like you, Joy would be forced into a few 50-50s because Uzi is a decent matter. So I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup. That should be really good. I'm going to be real here. The only people who I see taking down Joey when he has Gypsy King prepping for him or at least helping him prep are Envy and Gator. I don't see anybody else oh beating God. that person. That's, that's ridiculous when you look at it like that. Like, mm-hmm. You don't think Leo has a chance? What do you say? Do you not? You don't think Leo would have a chance to beat Joy? I I don't. I, I've seen Leo obviously beat Gypsy King Prep in the P4G, but Joey basically checked out at that point. He was like, "Okay, I got frozen in the week ten. Let's just have Gypsy build and see what I can make happen." I don't see Joey losing again to anybody except for MV or Gator. You? I don't know. I I I fancy. I kind of fancy. Leo. I I'm not gonna lie. I think Leo could do it against them. Yeah. I think I, so. I mean, Leo's yeah. been super inconsistent this season. He nearly lost to Mewtwo Fanate in week like one or two. I don't think he's really playing at the level where he can take I, down. I, 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 yeah, but now to be fair, we, we did say at one point that when he lost the GBA finals, like he put so much into GBA that everything else was getting forgotten about because that was the league he wanted to win. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be holding his early season form. Um, that is that. true. Maybe I'm not giving him enough credit, but I don't know. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think I think Leo has the matchup. I actually think Leo has the matchup. I think uh, Leo can shoot down Mega Gallade because he's got um, he's got Uniclus and Alola Muck to do it, and Joey. Uh, what what's got? He has um, what's got? I think the only problem for Leo is that he has to break through Toxapex because exactly, yeah, because. Yeah, He's got a bulky side type to deal with Megalopony, but you know, I think a lot of muck can beat that. And he has Uniclus that can eat up Mach Punch from Balloon. So I think uh, so when you kinda of look at the team makeup, Megalopony has a decent matchup here against Joy. So I think Leo could beat him, but I would lean towards Joy winning as well. Mm-hmm, yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree. Um is there? I think uh, the way it stands at the moment, like it's hard to tell who's going to be making the lower seeds. But I think, uh, I think Dan's probably going to get second seed, and Wolfie's going to get third seed, and John's going to get fourth seed on the sword division. So that yeah. would have, that would have uh, under the radar versus John. And as I said earlier, I think Which... John, I think John could beat or can be beaten. I think some, I think someone could easily turn over John. Exactly. Yeah, I, I could see. Um... I really see Kelly winning that game, but I don't know. It's, no. it's really a toss-up. Yeah, it's a toss-up. I think that's very 50-50. Um, mm-hmm. If the standards stay the way, it are, it, the way they are right now, I cannot wait to see Leo versus Wolfie. That's going to be a great game. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Have we ever seen them that matchup before? Maybe in the GBA? I, I forgot. Don't, don't think so. So that should, be a, that should be a really good match. Really, really good yeah. match. Um, is there anything else that you're looking forward to seeing? Oh, um... Actually, we need to correct that. I think Leo and Wolfie did battle in the APA, and I'm pretty sure Wolfie 6 0'd with Mega Zardex or something. Or I think Leo 6 0'd with Mega Zardex, one of the two 6 0'd. All right, okay, well, we're looking forward to seeing that matchup again, anyways, because Wolfie's yeah, playing sure. very well. Bar just, Bar previous, just this week, God, he's been playing very well, so that should be a really good game to watch. Mm-hmm. 
Um, okay, uh, have we got anyone else that's worth mentioning that could potentially be a match? Um, uh, not really. I mean, all of the lower seeds are kind of a toss-up, and it's pretty clear who the higher seeds are going to be at this point. It's just really about the seeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think Mr. Talon might sneak into the seventh seed because he just needs one win, and he's got the he's got the diff, so I think he might sneak yeah, in. He's got 14 differential over Patters, so yeah. we'll see how that works. Yeah, so I think Pat, I think Patters will slip, uh, and I think... I think Uzi would haul out the 7th seed and maybe potentially get the 6th. I would love to see him get 6th, actually. 6th uh, or 7th. Yeah, yeah, when you take the 13th seed team and bring it all the way up to 6th, you know you're doing something right. Oh, yeah. No, you, you've, 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 done, you've done well. You've done very, very well. So, it's, um, it's so unfortunate, though, because if he won against Top, he would pretty much be locked with one more win at this point. It's so sad. And, oh, it's very tough. But to be fair, to be fair, that was, oh God, top play that was mine, like you know, and yeah, that know, was a good game. Actually. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good, entertaining game. So, you know, it is what it is. But um, I I think that's it for the WB discussion. Um, hopefully we have better matchups next week. Uh, because yeah. week twelve was uh, week eleven was actually shocking. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised if we don't though, just because I see a lot of players just masking their playoff strategies and trying not to really reveal too much. So it might be underwhelming for the last two weeks, but yeah. hopefully something cool happens. Yeah, I, I think it, it definitely interesting. Like we have a couple of really big matches up at the top, uh, top of the top of the rankings. Like uh, we see Gator versus Kelly, but I don't. I I say the two of them might be masking Dan versus Wolfie. I think the two of them would mask some stuff. Yeah. Um, Maybe have Dan versus Joey in week thirteen right there. So. Yeah. So I think there's gonna be a, an awful lot of masking. Like as you said, like yeah. people like people not revealing their strats. Um, probably the more interesting ones are going to be those ones knocking around like the like. Sally, not the, the most. Right yeah, now. yeah, exactly. Them, them lower playoffs is like not the most, you know, skilled coaches, but they're uh, except Uzi. I actually, I really, I highly rate Uzi, but um, yeah, not the most skilled coaches, but the ones that are kind of fighting for them playoff berths, they're probably going to be the most interesting ones because they can't mask anything. Whereas the the higher seed coaches, they don't care at this point because they're going to be yeah, locked they, in. Yeah, those guys have to pull up. They have to win like pretty much every game to lock their spots. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah, exactly. So it'd be very, very interesting um, because. I, yeah, it's just it's just the way it was. I I for me as a higher seed, like there's no difference between being second. Uh, there's no difference between being fourth seed and third seed because you're still going to have a tough matchup against the other division. Where uh, so unless you can get second seed, doesn't really matter, you know. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I think that's probably enough for WB, right? That is probably enough for WB. Uh, we'll quickly wrap up the pod because we got one Twitter question from you guys. So thank you very much. Keep the questions coming in, but we'll quickly wrap it up. We got one question um it's not the most competitively geared question but hey we'll cover it it's kind we'll of cover, interesting we'll, topic. we'll cover we'll cover everything here guys we we'll cover what you guys yeah. want, to, want to know um but question jelly um from fritters or fritzwald i i know this guy i know i know this guy for a few years now so i get confused when he's using it when i see his twitter name i'm like he's changed it again but i know who he is so you know yeah but, but anyways um he asked would you rather have the ability to transfer all the legendary, legendary Pokemon from your handhelds, given there is a lot, or since it's a new world in Sword and Shield, would you like to start your collection again and maybe get new events slash shiny collection? I'm going to say that I want well, all can Pokemon. I tackle this one? Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. go ahead, take it. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to mention how, I mean, the events are really nostalgic to a lot of OG fans, right? Mm-hmm. The Mystery Gifts, I don't know if you played during that era, but... Mm-hmm. I would really love to see new events, but I definitely cut you off there. So what were you gonna say? I was gonna say like I'm I I'm, I don't really like go about collecting Pokemon. I want to play competitive Pokemon, right? Yeah. So if bring sorry, apologies for the noise in the background. But if I can bring 
if I can bring all my competitive sets across, or and and if then therefore it makes it easier for me to get Pokemon with you know master breeding, <clears throat> you know. But if it makes if, if I can bring competitive Pokemon across and just play competitive Pokemon, that I want to do that. That's the way I would like to play the game, because I I for me going going trying to catch every legendary again, I I play Pokemon for the story uh, for the story, and then I play. And then when I complete the story, I want to have my competitive Pokemon ready to go so I can battle somebody. That's the way yeah. I like to play my game. I think that if the Pokemon company really wanted to give us like a win-win on both sides, which clearly they don't want to, but if we really wanted that, they would just give us a new event, but also give us the ability to transfer everything. But that's not happening. No, that's not, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. I would yeah. like them to do uh, a certain point where you're allowed to transfer Pokemon, right? So when you're Elite Four champion... You've won the, so you basically you've completed the main story and then there's post game whatever but if you complete the main you complete the main story, I would like them to be able to say okay now you can transfer Pokemon right because then that way you know the, the more casual players are like oh well you didn't just get a level 100 Pokemon you know play through it. like you, you're not playing through the game properly uh, yeah you know and also it means that you actually have to you know earn the ability to you know get your Pokemon from previous games so I would like them to have that if anything exactly I think a really cool mechanic would actually be as you progress through the game and your Pokemon's levels get higher, you can transfer Pokemon to the max level of your current Pokemon. So if you have a level 42 as your highest level, whether it's in your party or the box, you can transfer anything level 40 or 2 or below from another game and mm. add it to your story. Yeah, that could be interesting. That could be an interesting one. Yeah. I like that. Because then, therefore, you never get broken. Right? Yeah, you never get broken, but you can still use what you want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I might, that might be a bit too, too complicated for the Pokemon company to handle. Cause yeah. that, that would, I don't see it, but yeah. Yeah, you know, exactly. But um, I think hopefully that answers your question, buddy. Um, if you guys have further questions, make sure to reach out to us on Discord or on Twitter because um, we love to hear them. Uh, that's um, at the Core Enforcers or at Irish Emerald or at OP Jellicent, um on Twitter. Uh, let us know what your thoughts on the podcast are in the comment section down below if you're watching on YouTube or on Twitter. And let, or if, uh, let us know on Twitter if you're watching if you're also listening on their other podcast streams as well because it, I I plug them but I don't know how many of you guys listen to them but let me know if you listen to it there as well and if you have anything else you want us to talk about on the show or different things you want us to bring up on the show let us know exactly yeah and also leave us the draft leagues let us know that oh, yeah. whether there's any small time draft leagues or players that you want us to talk about and we'll for sure get to it definitely definitely and hopefully we get small on news soon because yeah, we there better be some September tier changes. Like, come on. Come on, please. <laughs> but yeah, we're going to wrap it up here today, folks. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy listening. Um, thank you so much for all that. And we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Later. <laughs>